So that that uh, set of verses there is kind of interesting. Jesus talks about knowing what's first. Knowing that God is first even before our family or our own life. Knowing what to take care of first when we're planning things. And as we are uh, just getting started in our series on the Lord's Prayer, we've got to start with the right thing first. As I said last week, you know, sometimes Christian disciplines are like, are like me learning calculus. I, I told you last week I learned calculus backwards. Our teacher taught us starting with chapter 14 and then went back to chapter 1 because that was an easier way to do it. For, uh, and sometimes our Christian disciplines are like that. We do it before we really understand what we're doing. And studying prayer can leave us with more questions than answers. We're going to look at two questions that I brought up last week. How can a human talk with the creator of the universe? And how do I, as a human, address the creator of the universe? Because, see, it's not studying prayer that gives us the answers. It's actually praying that gives us answers. Our goal today is not merely to learn the unique attributes of the prayers of Jesus, but instead to pray like Jesus. And last week, one of the things we talked about was about praying precisely, being specific. And as Jesus starts off the Lord's Prayer, he wants to give us something specific. He says we need to know precisely who we're talking to. Don't just throw up a random prayer. He says, the first thing, the most important thing, is know who we are talking to when we're praying. Now, today, or this last week, I went to a uh, the Chamber of Commerce, and our speaker was somebody from county sheriffs, and they investigate uh, to, to try and rescue people who are being uh, trafficked. Uh, in Washington County, it's mostly girls and young women. And the the uh, the investigator, she spends a lot of her time just searching online. She goes on Facebook and Instagram and all and 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 uh, Craigslist and all these kinds of different stuff. And she just searches online to try and find these people because online I can be anybody. It's a it's a place where it's I can make up any name. Facebook doesn't ask for my birth certificate or my driver's license. I can be anybody. And we don't want to pray to a pretender. There's a scary thing in the Latter-day Saints Church, the Mormons. They have a ritual, and it involves Adam praying to God. And it goes like this. Adam begins his prayer to God. But instead of God in heaven answering him, Satan answers him and says, I am the God of this world. And Adam doesn't know the difference. And so he ends up praying to Satan. It's like, man, that's a scary thing. That makes me not want to be a Mormon. If Adam's prayer to God went to Satan, I have to ask them, how do you know where your prayers are going? I want to know where my prayers are going. So let's start with the thing first. And so Jesus begins in Matthew 6, verse 9. If you want to open up your Bibles there, Matthew 6, 9, or um, 
If you've got your Bible app, it'll be on you version. And it's simply this. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. He's praying to our Father. And that Father word there is is so full of of meaning. I'm going to hit it in two different ways. First is our sovereign Father. By sovereign, I mean royal. I mean our king. See, Father is an ancient title of respect for a head of state or head of religion. It's used of the kings and prophets in the Old Testament as well as in other ancient cultures. This was a common thing to call the leader father. We think of uh, King Henry VIII in history. At one point, he declared himself the head of the church in England. He didn't invent that. Now, he was doing something pretty radical because he was separating the Church of England from the Roman Catholic Church. So he, because he didn't want the Pope to be in charge of his country. But the fact that he came up with this idea, that wasn't new to him. That wasn't new. That had been kind of an ancient thing that the king is also the head of the religion. That's ancient. And at the time of King Henry VIII, the Pope was as much of a political figure as he was a religious figure. So this wasn't anything new. He just put a twist on it for his own means. Let's look at a couple of places in the Old Testament where this happens. First Samuel 24, 11. It'll be up on the screen. It says, Now my father, see, indeed, see the edge of your robe in my hand. This is David speaking to King Saul. For in that I cut off the edge of your robe and did not kill you. Know that and perceive that there is no evil or rebellion in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you are lying in wait for my life to take it. So David's talking to King Saul, and he dresses him as father. And we can say, well, David, he was kind of, Saul was kind of his father-in-law anyway. But he's, this is his, he's addressing him in this way as king, father. Another uh, two sections in 2 Kings 6, 21, and also 2 Kings 13, 14. It says, when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? So here's the king. Now he's talking to Elisha, who's the head prophet. And the king says to the prophet, father, I have this question about going to war. And the second verse here in 2 Kings 13, 14, when Elisha became sick with the illness of which he was to die, Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over him and said, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. So here at his deathbed, he's calling him father. This was a common thing when, you, when you're giving somebody this, this title of respect. And, and there's these blurred lines of, you know, separation of church and state, that's, that's really, really new. <laughs> that is not ancient. And so the, the king was thought of as the father of the nation. And also the mediator between the people and their God. It was pretty much uniquely an Israel thing that they had 
high priest that could go into the temple and the king was separate. And yet we see even with King David, King David writes the Psalms that are sung in the temple. And King David, when they brought the Ark of the Covenant to, to Israel, he dressed like a priest. His son Solomon builds a temple. So even in Israel, there's some blurring of the lines between this church and state thing. And in other cultures around, we'd see that the king was the high priest. It was the king who went into the temple for the people. So the king is the father of the nation and the mediator between the people and their God. Think about Jesus. When Jesus was having his trial, Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king? And Jesus says, You said it. And later on we read, At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. That's what you do to the king. So Jesus is king. First Timothy 2.5 tells us, there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. So Jesus is that king that stands between the people and God the Father. And yet, didn't we just say God the Father was king? There's not two kings, is there? No. Isaiah 9, 6. Speaking of the coming Messiah, this is one that we read a lot at Christmas time. A child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. You ever think about that? A name for the Messiah, Jesus, is Father. So Jesus would say in John 10.30, I and the Father are one. See, to pray to the Father as King is also to accept the divinity of Jesus. Our mediator to God the Father is God himself. So how do I direct my prayers? What's the first thing I do? I direct my prayers to the king. Jeremiah 3.19 says this. This is God speaking. Then I said, how would I set you among my sons and give you a pleasant land, the most beautiful inheritance of the nations? And I said, you shall call me my father and not turn away from following me. Is God telling the people, call me Father? If God is king, there is an expectation there that if I petition my king, that I also follow my king. If I petition my king, I should ask things that are in line with the king's law and the king's justice. And I should obey whatever answer he gives me. I pray like Jesus to the Father, my King. But there's another aspect to look at as Father, our spiritual Father. 
Addressing the God of the Bible as Father, that didn't begin with Jesus. Just as a sample, Deuteronomy 32.6, Psalm 68.5, Isaiah 63.16 at 64.8, Jeremiah 3.4, Jeremiah 3.19, Jeremiah 31.9, Malachi 1.6, Malachi 2.10. All prayers, Jewish prayers, addressing God as Father. So Jesus didn't invent this. But how he does it might be a little different. Now, our New Testament was written in Greek. But I can't say for certain that when Jesus at this time taught his disciples to pray, I can't say what language he was speaking or what language he used while praying. I know it wasn't King James Version English. I'm sure of that. But we can be reasonably certain Jesus probably knew Aramaic. In fact, we know he knew knew that. He probably knew some Greek, and he probably knew some Hebrew. What language did he pray in? Can't be sure. What language did he talk to his disciples in? Can't be 100% sure. They were all probably trilingual, at least like him too, to some degree. But we do have one prayer in particular, Mark 14, 36. Jesus is in the garden before he's going to go to the cross, and we get two words for Father there. Mark puts the words Abba, which is the Aramaic for Father, and he puts the Greek word Patir. And we don't know if Mark is translating. Mark is either saying, Jesus said Abba, and in case you don't speak Aramaic, that means Patir, Father, or Jesus said both. But Mark has given us a combination that Jesus at least used the word Abba, at least sometimes, this Aramaic word that doesn't have that quite same royal feel as the Greek word. We're not getting the idea of a king, but the idea of a daddy, the father of a family. So, What he's saying is, we pray to, this is the Father we pray to. We pray to the Father that's the source of life. Our Creator. We pray to a God who has children. Now I say spiritual Father because this idea is very different from what the Greeks and the Romans would think of at this time. When Zeus wanted to have a child, he would come to earth and rape a woman. And then she'd have a child that was half God, half human, like Perseus, or Hercules, Achilles. But so God is one with children, but not not like they would think back then. If we pray to a father, daddy, then he is love. God the Father cares. God the Father has knowledge of us. God the Father protects. God the Father teaches. 
we go back, remember, seven years ago, we did Soul Shift, and one of the shifts was Slave to Child. And Steve Deneff said something along these lines. God is not some version of my dad or yours. Our dads are lesser versions of God the Father. Because, see, myself as a father, I don't always listen. And my children don't always obey. And that damages our relationship. I had to think about this just this week because my daughter Sophia was getting exasperated with me because she said, you're not listening to what I'm saying. And I'm saying, I'm not listening because you're not doing what I'm saying. We're trying to figure this out. You know, as fathers, even the Bible recognizes we do the best we can. Hebrews 12, 10 says, talking about our fathers discipline us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. What I as a father do as best I can what your dad did for you as best he could, God can do with perfection. Jesus also talked about prayer later on. He'd say in Matthew seven eleven, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? God knows how to be a good father, a good daddy. It might be easier for us to maybe think of God in some ways as a grandfather as well. I know many of many of us here are grand, grandparents because it's like I have a certain relationship with my dad, and I think I have a very good dad. You know, my dad didn't abuse me in any way or anything. But I see my dad with my daughters, and it's a whole different thing. You know, grandmother's that way too. It's, it's kind of like I, I was sharing with somebody else a couple weeks ago. So my mom, to me, you know, here's, here's your sandwich. I cut it into triangles. Oh, I wanted squares. Well, you got triangles, you know. And now it's like, well, do you want hearts or do you want stars? <laughs> you know, my, my dad and my mom, they love to listen to their grandchildren. They love to give them good gifts. You know, we pray to a God that loves and listens and is on our side. First John 3, 1 John 3.1 John writes, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. And such we are. For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know him. God wants to have children. That's why we call him Father. So if, if, if I have to wonder what's something I can pray for, I can always pray for that. God wants to have kids. 
Matthew 5, 9, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. God wants to have children. So something that's something I can always work towards as well. I can always pray for God to have more children. And the answer is already given. God wants me to work so he can have more children. So I pray like Jesus to the Father. And one more aspect of God the Father. He's our sanctified Father. It's that line when we say, holy is his name, or hallowed be thy name. Again, we get a piece of the Trinity here. John 14, 26. Jesus says to his disciples, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, right there we have Holy Spirit, Father, and Son, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. So we have a God, the Father has a Holy Spirit. Just as praying to the Father affirms the divinity of Jesus, it also affirms the divinity of the Holy Spirit. Because God's name is holy. But there's something more even deeper about this. Let's look at Psalm 68.5, talking about the holiness of the Father. The psalmist writes, A father of the fatherless and a judge for the widows, God is in his holy habitation. Notice the action in this verse from the Psalms. God the Father is taking care of orphans and widows. And that action is his holiness, his holy work. I I went through several times trying to figure out when we say the Lord's Prayer together, how are we going to translate that line, hallowed be thy name or holy is your name? Because there isn't actually an English word that fits. In English, holy is an adjective. It describes the noun God. God is holy, or God's name is holy. In Greek, it's not an adjective. In Greek, it's a verb. Describing what God does. God is doing holy. <laughs> is the best I can say. Not this that he it's not just that God is being holy, it's God that is doing holy. And that just doesn't work in English. So for us at this point, I'm just gonna speak poor English because there's no way to do it. The best illustration I can think of, I saw this picture of a dad teaching his child how to swim. Dad is a swimmer, so he teaches the child to swim. God is doing holy, and so he teaches us to do holy. Jesus put it this way, John seventeen eleven, as he prays for his disciples. He says, I'm no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, to keep them in your name. <laughs> I come to you, Holy Father, to keep them holy. <laughs> the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. See, it gives 
to me, when I realize this, it gives a whole new twist to the idea when Peter writes in 1 Peter 1.16, it's written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. It's not just talking about this, some kind of state of being. He's talking about a state of doing. God is doing holy, and so we should be doing holy. I pray to the Father who is holy, who does holy, and who makes holy. So I pray like Jesus to the Father. I don't know if anybody remembers Irma Bombeck, the writer. and She told a story of a little girl. She loved her dad, but she wasn't sure what dads do. She said, one morning, her father didn't get up to go to work. He went to the hospital instead, and he died the next day. She hadn't thought about him much about that before. See, in this girl's mind, father was someone who left in the morning to go to work and then came home. And when he came home, he was glad to see everyone at night. Dad opened a jar of pickles when no one else could. Dad was the only one in the house, not afraid to go into the basement by himself. Dad might cut himself shaving, but he didn't need anybody to kiss it and make it better. He was the one that when it rained, he brought the car around so no one else would have to get wet. Dad was the one when anyone was sick, he went out and got the prescription. Dad was the one who took all the pictures, which means he was never in them. So whenever this girl played house with her dolls, she said, I had a lot of things for the mother doll to do. But I didn't know, she didn't know what to do with the daddy doll. So she'd just say, I'm going to work, and she'd throw him under the bed. So after the funeral, they were in their living room and a lot of people came through and brought all kinds of food and cakes. She said they never had so much company before. She went to her room and felt under the bed for the daddy doll. She found him. She dusted him off and put him on the bed. She realized it wasn't a, you know, it's not that daddy never did anything. She just didn't know what he did. So we pray to God the Father, who has the power and the loving actions to make us, to make me, and to make other people and the world holy. not keep the father under the bed dusty. Dust him off and pray to him. Let's pray. This is from Psalm 139. Lord, you search me out and you know me. You know when I sit down. You know when I get up. You know my thoughts. 
You know where I walk. You know where I rest. You know all my habits. You know what I'm going to say. You protect me from behind. You protect me in front. You keep your hand, my hand, in yours. What a wonderful thing to know. It's you who created me. My body was not hidden from you when I was even being made in the womb. There was not a day of my life that you had not already written in your book. All your thoughts of me are greater than the sand on every beach. And in order for me to know how much you love me, I'd have to be you. What a good, good father you are. Lord, today we ask for the strength of your spirit to make us good children. We ask this in the name of Jesus who himself is king and makes us worthy to stand before you. Amen.